This is Dr. Jonathan Shaw. I want to thank you for tuning in to Crown Ministries Podcast today. We hope that this message transforms you and encourages you to pursue God's presence in a greater way. Enjoy the message. Glory to God. It is along those lines that I desire to share with you today. Get your Bibles. Get your Bibles as we share with you. If you can remain standing as we reverence the reading of God's holy word. We want to hear what the Lord is saying. Somebody shout, something's waking up in me. Amen. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at two verses of scripture from two different texts. But it's going to make sense and give clarity after a while. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at verse number 15. Genesis 3 and 15. Genesis 3 and 15. Sound man, just give me a little bit more monitor. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that's good. And then also I want you to get Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. Genesis 49 and 10. Genesis 3 and 15, and the word of the Lord reads, And I will put enmity between thee and and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and you shall bruise his heel. I'm going to put an en enmity. I'm going to put a war, a fight. God's talking to the serpent. Between you and the woman, and between your seed, serpent, and her seed, her seed is going to bruise your head. And you're going to bruise her seed's heel. Because when her seed steps on your head, it's going to be so powerful that it's going to bruise his heel. Genesis chapter 49. And we're going to go down to verse number 10. Genesis 49 and 10, and it reads, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. The scepter, the rod in the, in the hand of a king, shall not leave from the tribe of Judah, nor a lawgiver, a ruler, from between his feet until the promise comes of Shiloh. Unto him, the promise, shall the gathering of the people be. I want to take from these two texts of scriptures and I want to really look at Genesis 3.15 where God prophesies as he judges and says there's something coming that's going to do damage to darkness and what's coming is coming from the womb of a woman. And I want to talk to you today from a message, it could be me. Look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, it could be me. It could be me. It could be me. Father, bless this witness and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You are still my strength and you are my redeemer. I give you praise, glory, and honor. Here's my mind. Think through it. 
Here's my mouth. Speak through it. Here's my body. Give strength to it. And at the end of this moment, let someone declare that I've heard from heaven and I'm better because of it. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Have your seats. Tell your neighbor, it could be me. It could be me. It could be me. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, the text that I've just read before you in your hearing is something that uh, we need to do a little bit of foundational teaching so we can understand the fullness of what's being spoken and what's being said here. It's imperative that we are Bible students, that we do not allow ourselves to go off on a tangent emotionally with the scriptures, but that we embrace it totally. And here in the scriptures in the book of Genesis, we have the beginnings, the law of first mentions uh, here in Genesis chapter number three. We have the scenarios where in the garden, the Bible says there was a, a creature or an animal that was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. It was referring to the serpent. It was the serpent's subtleties that caused the serpent to be utilized by Satan. The serpent was not the devil. Did y'all hear that? The serpent was not the devil. It was the serpent's attitude that made it susceptible to satanic influence, which gives us to know that it is not us who are demons. We are not Satan, but we can have an attitude that is more susceptible to satanic behavior. Oh, that's why you got to change your attitude, your personality, your behavior, your character traits, because certain character traits are more susceptible to satanic and demonic behavior. And so the Bible says that Satan utilized the serpent to beguile the people of God, particularly the man and woman, Adam, Eve. Uh, her name wasn't Eve at this moment. Her name was Adam at this point. Uh, and Adam and Adam was there in the garden. And the scripture tells us that he had a conversation with female Adam. As he's having a conversation with female Adam, her name didn't become Eve until chapter number four after sin. Her name became the mother of all. Before then, her name was Adam. So when God looked in the garden and says, Adam, where art thou? He was talking to both of them, not just to the man. He was talking to the male and the female because both of their name is Adam. Because of the Hebraic name, Adam simply means mankind. It is actually a title more than it is a name. It means mankind. And so God called them Adam. Adam, the serpent who had the subtleties and this behavior was having a conversation with female Adam and convinced her to eat the fruit that she was not supposed to eat. The issue that she uh, 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 began to entertain was she began to entertain a conversation with the creature she was called to control. It's a lot of C's. Let me say it again. She entertained a conversation with the creature that she was called to control, which means you do not converse with the creature you're called to control. You command. You don't converse. <laughs> I wish I could preach on Mother's Day. Come on, mothers. Let me say that to you again. You do not converse with the creatures you are called to control. You command. You do not converse. Your children do not negotiate with you. They do not converse with you. You command. They obey. And that's how it goes. If you allow anything else to happen, what's going to happen is you're going to be beguiled and you're going to find yourself in a lower state. In other words, you're going to be their friend instead of their mama. Oh, God, you went to a lower state. You don't, you're not called to be their friend. You're called to be their parent. 
and she had this conversation which made him or the serpent now co-equal with her because I can converse with you. I'm in the same weight class as you and now she's having this conversation. He convinced her and he began to pull on those things in her that were already existent but she's always managed to overcome and overpower them. And he began to pull at the lust of the eyes. He began to pull at the pride of life that was always in her but she hadn't managed to overcome it. But now she cannot overcome what she used to have victory over because she's having a conversation. Certain conversations pull at the worst of us. They pull out the parts of us that we've suppressed and we've had victory over. There are some people you need to learn to hang up the phone from. There are some people you just can't have a long conversation with because they tend to pull on that nature in you that you've always had victory over. But now you find yourself cussing and now you find yourself wanting a drink. Now you want to smoke a spliff because now you entertain a conversation of somebody that pulls and called on the thing in you that you've managed to have victory over. So now he's convincing her to eat of the fruit that she knows she's not supposed to eat and she knows she's not supposed to eat it because she quoted the Bible verse. The Lord God has said that we're not supposed to eat of this fruit. He twists the Bible verse. He used the scripture and preached to her manipulatively. He preached to her with manipulation and turned the scripture. Listen, it's not only important that you quote it, you gotta learn to live it. Stop getting impressed with people who can quote scripture because that's all simply giftings of memory. You can memorize something and quote it, but how do you live that which you have quoted? It is not your quote that I'm pulling on. It's your lifestyle that I'm looking for. Can you live like what you just quoted? He quoted it, but even his quotation of it put the wrong essence and spirit of it. He misquoted it and caused her to take of the fruit that she was forbidden to eat, and she ate it. Now, I know we've always heard in our Sunday school classes that it was an apple. We don't know if it was an apple. It was just fruit that was not supposed to be eaten, okay? And she ate it. But not only did she eat it, but she also gave it to Adam, the man, who was standing with her. Not on the other side of the garden somewhere. He was standing right there with her. With her, which means he was involved in the conversation and never spoke a word. Couldn't this be? Is it possible to be a part of a conversation and never say a word? Is it possible to be a part of a conversation and you have been silent the whole time? Because secretly your silence is agreement. Oh, oh God, let me help some of you who got friends and even best friends. It's what your friends say while you being talked about will determine if they're real ride or die or not. Because if they can talk about me and you don't rise up and say something to defend me, then maybe we ain't as tight as I thought we were. Your silence gave agreement and permission for them to say what they, I need my best friend to make my enemies uncomfortable when they start talking. I need you to just get in their face and say, what you talking about, who you talking to, I need you to understand, no, clarify that for me. I need you to speak up say something and his silence uh, made him a participant to what he should have avoided and what he could have avoided and his victory could have been her victory if somebody would have said something here's the problem in their relationship she's talking too much and he ain't talking enough 
see the problem in this household uh, she talking too much he ain't talking enough and now all of a sudden they've got the serpent with the subtlety of satanic influence now controlling their house Lord Jesus who have you turned your house over to with your silence who have you turned your home over to with your multiple conversations who have you given the scepter of your home to rule and have authority and influence in your house because you entertain the wrong conversation my God yeah mankind falls from the grace that God had given them they fall she had the perfect man but talked them out of perfection he had the perfect woman but was quiet until she became imperfect now the perfect couple has got flaws and issues and stuff going on and they're now in a fallen state fallen from the grace of God fallen from perfection and the Bible says that God's voice began to walk in the garden in the cool of the day that's amazing how a voice can walk God's voice has feet. I ain't got time. I got to catch a flight. But God's voice has feet. The voice of the Lord walked in the garden in the cool of the day. That means when God's word comes into your life and he speaks a word, his voice walks into your future, walks into your finances, walks into your situation, walks into your children. God could speak a word in crown on Glimmer Road on Sunday and take that word and walk in your office on Monday morning because his voice walks <laughs> oh look at your neighbor said his voice walks I need the voice of the Lord to walk that Wednesday at 3 p.m. when I'm going through hell and high water I need him to walk from Sunday into Wednesday and straighten out what the devil is trying to mess up I need God to walk in my future and make the crooked place straight and the rough place smooth somebody said God go ahead walk 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 I, oh, I wish my millennials would get with me because God said I want to walk it out <laughs> He want, God wants to walk it out. He want to walk out your financial issue. He want to walk out your future issue. He want to walk out everything that's blocking you from the promise he put over you. Walk it out, God. Walk it out, God. Walk it out, God. Go ahead and walk it out. And the Bible says that when he finally looked and searched for the prime of his creation, for the crown of his creative abilities, he looked for them and he could not find them the way that he left them. Mm, what happens when he looks for us Monday, but he doesn't find us the way he left us on Sunday? What happens when God doesn't find us the way he left us? Adam, where are you? can't find you it's not that God was ignorant of the, their location but it's when he did see them they did not look like the way he left them mothers you ever sent your children off to school in the morning and they came back home that afternoon and they look like who did it and ran have you what happened to you I didn't send you out looking like you put barrettes and bobos in her hair and she came back with other twists and things where is your barrettes you come on you made the little boy you shined him up with lotion and bless oil all over his face and he come back home looking like a dry desert what happened to you son clothes all over the place dirty spots wrinkles I didn't send you like this oh god where are you 
clearly you have entertained an audience in a conversation that's not in agreement with this house. And God began to hand out uh, questions. He says, man, what have you done? He said, the woman that you gave me. He looked at the woman and said, what have you done? She said, that serpent you put in the garden. Everybody was trying to blame everybody, but no one would take responsibility. And here the text says that God began to hand out judgments and told the man from this day forth, you're going to have to work for, to the sweat of your brow. He says, and it will not be easy labor. It's going to be hard labor. The earth used to yield to you fruit. Now it's going to yield to you thorns. It used to give you a harvest without you even asking for it. Now you're going to pick your fruit, but among the fruit, it's going to stick you. It's going to prick you with thorns and thistles and hard labor where you have to till the ground. It's going to be a sweating victory. Still victorious, but you're going to have to work hard to make it happen. Turn to the woman and this is where the prophecy or the promise and the judgment mix. God managed to take a negative and a positive and merge them together. He said, woman, you're now going to bear children in hard labor. Blame Eve, mothers. He said, you're now going to bear children in hard labor. He was popping out babies with joy and gladness. Your hair was still in place and your makeup never ran uh, before. But now you're going to have hard labor when you bring forth children. And your husband is going to rule over you. And you, watch this, are going to now have to submit to your husband. Not just a man, to your husband. You just don't submit to a man. You submit to your husband. That's what God said. And she now had to be submitted to him. And then God turns to the serpent. And he cursed the serpent. There's a different theological concept here. He judged the man and the woman, but he cursed the serpent. He didn't judge the humans. He, he uh, Rather, he didn't curse the humans. He judged them, but he cursed the serpent because he's a creature of a lower order. Uh, if he would have cursed them, it was as if he would have cursed himself. The reason being is because they are made in his likeness and his image. So whenever, if he would curse them, it was as if he would curse himself. Let me help some of y'all. When you curse your spouse or curse your children, you're actually cursing yourself. You're actually speaking of, oh God, help me here. I didn't say just use curse words. I'm talking about using words that are kind contrary to their future, their purpose, and their destiny. Uh, if you speak something negative against them, you're inevitably speaking something negative against yourself. So because the serpent didn't look like God, God could curse it. He cursed the serpent and told the serpent that from the rest of the days, you will crawl on your belly and you shall eat the dust of the ground. Here's what's amazing is that when he made mankind, he made man from dust. So what he was saying was, serpent, I'm going to make you crawl and I'm going to make your desire to be dust, which means your job description is to chase them for the rest of their existence. God gave the devil a job to mess with us and chase us. Matter of fact, his, his diet is us. His desire is us. He can't do nothing but do what the devil does and that's just to want me to fail. Look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, don't get mad. The devil just doing his job. Don't get mad. 
when they talk about you, the devil just doing his job. Don't get mad when they try to devour you, the devil just doing his job. God told him that the rest of his days he will desire to eat the dust of the ground, but this is where he starts twisting this plot. He looks at the serpent and said, not only would you crawl on your belly for the rest of your days, but you and the woman will have a war between each other. He ain't even talking to the woman anymore. He's talking to the serpent. He said, you and the woman are going to have a war with each other to the point that you're going to have offspring and she's going to have offspring. But her offspring is going to bruise your head. And it's going to stomp on you so hard that it's going to bruise his heel. He's going to destroy you, but it's not going to be the woman. It's going to be what the woman produces. And so now whatever she gives birth to is going to do damage to the kingdom of darkness. Where are you going with this, Dr. Shaw? I'm going with this because this now story of Genesis 3 and 15, this prophetic promise is given to every single person in the nation of Israel. Everybody in Israel knows that the woman's seed is going to bruise the serpent's head. Everybody in Israel knows that there is a Messiah that is going to come. There's a promise that's going to come into the earth. Every person knew it that something is coming. Can you turn around and tell three folks around there's something coming, something coming, something's coming. Something is coming, something getting ready to happen. And we all know that whatever's getting ready to happen is going to come through a woman. It's going, can I preach Mother's Day? It's going to come through a woman. What's getting ready to happen, it's going to come through a woman. What's getting ready to happen, it's going to come through a woman. Yeah. Watch this now. And so now, every woman in Israel is looking and wondering, is it me? Here come old Jojo, Joseph, uh, the, one of the latter sons of Israel. And Joseph extends this prophecy in Genesis chapter 49 verse 10, what's called a messianic prophecy, which is a prophecy of the Messiah that is to come. Joseph says this when he's blessing his sons and he's blessing his children. He said, the scepter shall not leave Judah, which means the promised king is going to come out of Judah. And he says, and the Lord giver shall not come from between his feet. In other words, it's speaking of the loins of the man. In other words, there's going to be a lawgiver that comes from the loins of the man that's between his feet. And so he says, there's going to be a lawgiver that's come and it's not going to happen until Shiloh. Now look at your Bibles. Shiloh, there's capital S-H-I-L-O-H because it is indicative that Shiloh is not just a place, it's a person. When you do the depth study about Shiloh, it is not just a place, it is a person, which means we cannot rest until Shiloh come. We can't rest until the Messiah gets here. We can't stop until the promise of God fulfilled is fulfilled in our lives. In other words, what Joseph was saying was coming out of Judah is what God said in Genesis 3.15 that the woman's seed is going to destroy darkness and the kingdom of Satan. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen, you can only imagine Imagine, I'm almost through with y'all, what was beginning to occur in Israel because God 
promise that a Messiah was coming. Genesis 3.15. He's going to destroy Satan. He's going to destroy the serpent. Joseph doubles up and doubles down on the prophecy and said a lawgiver is coming. Uh, Joseph says that we're not going to do anything until Shiloh come, until the king arrives. In other words, there is a Messiah coming. So now every woman in scripture Every woman in Israel is wondering, am I going to be the one that's going to have the Messiah? This would now give you uh, an understanding of why biblically it was so important for women to have babies. And why they felt blessed to have a child. And they did crazy stuff to get a child because they wanted to produce the Messiah. This explains the culture of why it felt like you were judged or cursed by God even if you didn't have a baby. Because the Messiah was coming through a woman. So if you couldn't produce, it means you have uh, lessened your likelihood that you will ever produce a promise. So women in Israel became, uh, how can I say, scandalous <laughs> just to get pregnant. Can I talk like I'm talking the way I'm talking? Um, they became scandalous just to have a baby because every woman understood her security was locked in her womb. Her security was locked in what she produced. She didn't care who the man was because the prom promise wasn't the man she slept with. The promise was the baby she produced. <laughs> so she didn't care who she lay with. All she cared was the potency of her womb to push out the promise. To push out the Messiah. I wish I could talk like I'm talking. She, every woman who had a womb, uh, when she turned 11, 12, or 13 year old and her cycle came, she got excited because now she's producing eggs. Now she has a monthly reminder that I have the potential to produce something that's going to change the world. <laughs> I got potential. Lay hands on your stomach and say, I got potential. I got potential. So women begin to do scandalous stuff just to get pregnant. Y'all, let me go through this. Y'all remember that girl named Tamar? Y'all remember Tamar? Tamar, huh? Tamar, one, one of the daughters, oh uh, God, uh, of Joe. And, and, and she was married, huh? Uh, and had a husband. And the Bible says that her husband died. And when her husband dies, it was ritual and culture for the day that if your husband died, then you could marry the brother. And so when the husband died, Alyssa, she went and took the brother. And the father, Judah, their father's name was Judah. Judah said, you can have, you can have your husband's brother because your husband's dead. And so she took the brother and she lay with the brother. The brother's name was Onan. Onan uh, said, wait a minute now. Uh, the last man you, you slept with, uh, it died. And uh, the one before him died. And so Onan said, okay, well, uh, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this going to work out for me. Onan said, because now you look like the black widow and everything you touch dies. The last two men you married died. And so he's trying to figure out what he should do. So he took her as his wife. And the Bible says that Onan laid with her. He slept with her. He had sex with her. But when it was come time to produce a seed, or rather to produce within her, he spilt his seed on the ground. He will not, oh God. He would not produce with her. As soon as he spilt his seed on the ground, God killed him. 
God because what God is saying is that you want stimulation without impartation you want to be excited but you don't want to produce nothing and God kills people that just only want to be excited but don't want to become pregnant I'm tired of having church with excitement no pregnancy I'm tired oh y'all some of these services are shooting blanks you ain't producing nothing ain't nothing coming out of it ain't nothing being put ain't nobody delivered ain't nobody set free ain't nobody healed because you want excitement without productivity and whenever you do that God will kill you on the spot he took him out because it is not of your control of who I birth and who I send forth you cannot use a modern or old ancient time condom old name you gotta be able to produce when I tell you to produce holler at your neighbors and I need to produce I need to produce and anybody that's not worth producing with needs to die out of your life if you can't produce with them let them go. So we got to get out of here. And so now, Tamar, my God, help us. Tamar is laying there and she ain't got no baby again. And so Tamar decided, well, if I'm going to get pregnant, I got to make it happen myself. Because my husbands are dying. The one husband I have, he done died because God killed him. He don't want to have a baby with me. So the Bible says that she dressed in her mourning clothes. And she mourned and wept walking around here. But she heard that her father-in-law, Judah, who is the king was going into town so she changed out of her morning clothes and put on her hallelujah her harlot clothes she put on the tight pants and uh, her split was from the Mississippi to the Mesopotamia her cleavage was low y'all ain't saying nothing her hair was plaited she did her edges y'all and she put them earrings on and she went to the city where she knew her father father-in-law was gonna be and stood on the corner and played the harlot mind you Judah's wife is dead too so he's also in a state of mourning and need when he gets to the city he sees this loose woman standing on the corner and he says mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she look at him she said uh-huh me too and now oh God help us here he does not know who she is she's so done up made up it's amazing how we can recognize you in church on Sunday but once you took your Sunday clothes off we can't even tell that's you that's you boo he couldn't even tell it was her my God and he said uh, let's make this transaction she says uh, well uh, uh, what you going to give me for this and he says well I I I'm going to give you a goat it was normal the payment was a goat he said but uh, I didn't plan on doing this today so I ain't got no goats with me but I got goats back at the house this wasn't a plan of his because sometimes you can slip into something and didn't plan for it Oh, that's another conversation. He said, I didn't plan for this, but uh, it is happening now. So he, she says, well, then if you don't have any goats, what can you give me? He says, well, all I have is just my, my stuff. She said, well, give me your scepter and give me your bracelet. And uh, I'll hold this, your signatures, until you send me a goat. And so they sealed the transaction, slept with one another. And as they slept with one another, that day she conceived. Whew. Judah put it down. That day she conceived. 
went back home, took off her holly clothes, put back on her mourning clothes, and all of a sudden, three months later, the workers of the house see Tamar pregnant. But how she get pregnant when all her husbands are dead and she been in a state of mourning? She ain't as sad as we thought she was. Tamar done found her glad, glad somewhere. And the Bible says that when they noticed that she was pregnant, everybody's trying to do a Mari Povich test and find out who's the father. Who can be the daddy when all your husbands are dead? And she said, oh God, don't, don't just don't tell nobody. They went and told Judah that she got pregnant and we don't know who the daddy is. Judah busts out and says, bring her here and burn her alive. While she's pregnant her and the baby burn them alive because she has sinned and she has sinned against this house and she says wait a minute before before he burns me alive um come here got something to tell you uh, the father of my baby is the owner of this scepter and this bracelet <laughs> oh god such a shift of the adjustment of judgment that one voice you wanted to burn them but now when you are the father now you don't want y'all don't need to read Zane's novel read the bible all this stuff is in the bible and the bible says that he wasn't so quick to burn her and the baby anymore because you is the daddy uh, and it's amazing how people are so judgmental when it ain't you oh, but when it's in your house you now want to have mercy when somebody else daughter got pregnant you stand there going to hell when your baby got pregnant you throwing baby showers when your son went to jail nobody knew about it but when my son went to jail everybody heard about it let's tell everybody business Judah changed that story when he found out that he was the daddy. Why would Tamar go through such extremes just to get pregnant? Because she knew that as long as the scepter is in Judah, uh, she knew as long as the Lord give her come between the feet, she knew that the seed of the woman is going to bruise the serpent and Tamar was simply saying it could be me. <laughs> gotta go y'all uh, y'all remember that woman by the name of Hannah Hannah you remember Hannah 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 who's married to Elkanah a priest she's got a preacher for a husband he's a priest but he also oh God got another wife named Penina and Penina can produce and have babies so there's a likelihood that Penina is going to bring forth the Messiah but Hannah can't get pregnant she's barren and so there's no likelihood that she will bring forth the Messiah and so Hannah's issue in her house wasn't even Penina that wasn't her problem. she didn't care about Penina who so who plus it was the culture of the day for a man to have multiple wives Penina wasn't a threat to her Penina wasn't even an issue oh god the issue was with herself I 
can't produce. Let me help some of y'all that's mad at other people. The issue ain't your penina. The, the issue is your womb. The issue is not who's on the outside. The issue is what you can't produce on the inside. Hannah didn't have a problem with Elkanah. She didn't have a problem with penina. Her issue was, God, why won't you let me bring forth a child? Why can't I bring forth the Messiah? What's wrong with me that I can't produce what's promised? And the Bible says, oh God, that she went to the temple and started praying until she got intoxicated in intercession. She started praying until she got so drunk in prayer that the priest Eli thought that she was drinking wine early in the morning. And the Bible says she said, I'm not drunk as you suppose, but I'm a woman, oh God, that is trying to get something from God. And I need my prayers answered before the Lord. She prayed until she came out of herself. She broke the traditional Levitical code. She came out of the normal culture of the day and old Hannah, mother Hannah started praying like she was a morning glory intercessor she started praying until fire came down she started praying until her clothes started coming off when you read it in the original language Hannah prayed so intensely that she began to, her clothes began to come off, her sweat began to pour out of her she looked crazy, she looked like a drunk woman because she said God bring your promise through my womb and I wonder if there's anybody in this room that will pray hard and say God bring your promise through me whatever you're going to do in this season God don't do it without me look at your neighbor and say neighbor you've got the potential to birth the promise and so every woman had this mindset that I gotta get pregnant I gotta get pregnant I gotta get pregnant because there's a possibility that the promise can come through me I want to talk about possibilities today y'all and I'm through with you because I got to go because possibilities are probable but most of us usually venture on the side of negative possibilities. Uh -huh. And we always say what could possibly happen that's negative. The truth is you need to flip your mind and say what could possibly happen that's positive. Because the word possibility suggests that anything can happen. Anywhere, anytime, with anybody. Uh, the word possibility says anything goes. Look at your neighbor say anything goes. But you can increase, oh God, the intention or the probability factors when you make certain moves in your life uh, let me say it like this you can increase the probability of the possibility when you intentionally interfere with your behavior when you say I'm going to do something you're actually increasing the possibility of something else happening the lack of you doing something decreases the possibility of something happens so what are you saying Dr. Shaw I'm saying that any woman could get pregnant but she increases her probability when she sleeps with a man and she increases the probability her interference caused the increase of probability and so brothers and sisters ladies and gentlemen I come to tell y'all that God 
God is getting ready to do something in the earth. He already sent his promised Messiah because he used a girl by the name Mary who wasn't even looking to get pregnant, who did not lay with a man, who did not lay with somebody else, who wasn't itching to be the womb that God would use to bring the promise. But she simply just sat still and did what she does. And Mary was selected by God. I need you to help me preach now. Look at your neighbor and shake the hand like you're going to shake it off and say, hey neighbor, Mary wasn't doing anything. She was minding her business and God selected her to be the womb to breathe the promise. They didn't hear you. They act in Presbyterian. Find somebody else and say, hey neighbor, Mary was minding her business in Nazareth and God selected her to be the one to bring forth the promise. Oh, come on. They got Catholic voice. Find somebody else that got the Holy Ghost and say, hey neighbor, I got news for you. You've been quiet just like Mary, but God has selected you to be the one that he does something new in the earth. He's about to do something that eyes have never seen and ears have never heard. Neither has it entered the heart of man what God got prepared for you. And I want to tell you that because you've been simply minding your business, not trying to itch to be the next, having your name in lights and uh, having your name in the popularity contest, you are the one that God is about to select. I come to tell somebody that God is not looking for people in the front. He's trying to choose the nobodies in the background. The persons that's behind the scenes that God said I'm going to use them to do something so extraordinary that's going to change the dynamic of this world's culture. Lean on your neighbor's shoulder and say neighbor something is getting ready to happen in the earth. Tell them the spirit of revival is about to hit America and God is about to raise up prophets. God's about to raise up teachers and evangelists. God's about to raise up true apostles of God and something great is getting ready to happen in the earth. They can talk to you. Find somebody who's going to talk to you and say neighbor can you feel it? It's in the atmosphere. It's in the earth. The Bible said the earth is moaning and groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Some of us intercessors, we feel like something getting ready to happen. We don't know what it is, where it's coming from. We don't know what direction it's coming from. But all we know is God getting ready to do something that's going to blow America's mind. That's going to blow the church out of the waters and the traditional church won't be traditional no more the stuck up folks won't be stuck no more the bound won't be bound anymore and the sick won't be sick any longer something is about to happen I can't describe it I can't define it but I know another move of God is getting ready to hit the earth Jesus come back. Slap three folks says something about to happen. Something about to happen y'all. It ain't gonna be because of a white man. It ain't gonna be because of a black man. It ain't gonna be because of the government. It's gonna be a latter day move 
of God. Grab somebody and say, neighbor, and the latter rain shall be greater than the former. What's getting ready to happen is greater than the Zusa. What's getting ready to happen is greater than what occurred in California. What's getting ready to happen? It's gonna shake your house. It's gonna revolutionize your finances. It's gonna revolutionize your mindset. It's gonna revolutionize your praise. And say, neighbor, I got a feeling that it could be me. Yes. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever you do, don't hate on me now. Because I could be the one that's got the word for your life. Point your finger at me and say, neighbor, don't talk about me bad. Because I could be the one that can write one check and take your whole family out of poverty. Slap your neighbor and say, I could be the one. The Bible says, be careful how you entertain strangers, for you entertain angels underwear, which means I could be the one on assignment to bless your life. I could be the one to get your son out of jail, your daughter out of that relationship. Look at your neighbor said, it could be me. How do you know it? Because the Bible says, greater is he that's inside of me than he that's in the world. Grab somebody by the hand and say, neighbor, oh neighbor, I gotta let you know I'm pregnant with potential. I'm pregnant with possibilities. I'm pregnant with purpose. I'm expecting. I don't care if they're a man or a woman, but look at your neighbor and say, happy Mother's Day. Cause you are expecting, oh God, you are expecting your darkness to turn to light. You are expecting your sorrow to turn to joy. Tell your neighbor, I am expecting. Get out your seats. Tell three people, I'm expecting. I just got some news that in just a few more days, something's coming out of me that's going to rock this world. I just got away. I just got news. The doctor just told me we took a sonogram and we see a millionaire. The doctor just told me we took a sonogram and we see a homeowner. The doctor just told me we took a sonogram. We see a college graduate. Get out of your seat and say, neighbor, I'm expecting. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day, because it could be me. I could be the one to bless your life. I could be the one to prophesy till your bones come together. I might be your Mary. I'm getting ready to produce. Grab somebody and say, neighbor, this is the season to produce yeah I prophesy that your barren season is over your producing season has come shout scream holler yeah I'm expecting a miracle 
expecting a breakthrough. I'm expecting joy. Shout yeah. Shout yeah. High five three people and say it could be me. It could be me. I come to tell somebody, don't despise the days of small beginnings. I may be now, but I see myself, I'm expecting a harvest in the future, I may be living in an apartment now, but I'm expecting a house in my future, I may be working nine to five, but I'm expecting to open my own company, I may be bound right now, but I'm expecting to be loose and to be free. The 13 praises in just a little while. In just a little while. Any day now, you're about to deliver. High five, five people. And say, any day now, you're about to deliver. Any day now, your water gonna break. Any day now, you're about to produce. God's gonna do it.
I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would love for you to do two things. One, subscribe to our show so you can receive notification of our most recent messages. Also, if this message has impacted you, you can click the link in the description and you can give now. We'll connect with you next time on Crown Ministries Podcast.